So we started last week, uh, Brian started this new series that we're going through this year in the book of Mark. And if you want to know why we're going through the book of Mark, it's all Brian's fault. Uh, <laughs> Brian's like, hey, maybe we should go through it. And I was like, that's a great idea. So I just wanted a chance to, if, if you guys aren't enjoying the series, you, you don't have to blame me. Um, so thanks for taking that, that bullet for me, Brian. Appreciate that. Um, but no, I'm really excited to go through Mark for a few reasons. Um, first of all, it's the shortest gospel, um, which means we can probably cover it in the most depth, because we're going to spend about half the year going through this book. It's the first, it's believed to be the first gospel written uh, by a guy named John Mark, who was a disciple of Peter's, who followed Peter, who was a friend of Peter. And so it's really the Apostle Peter's account as, as uh, he told it to John Mark, and then John Mark wrote it down. And so it's sort of the gospel from Peter's perspective, and it's action-packed. That's why we have this fun comic thing. Um, it's, it's like action-packed, and it shows us that Jesus wasn't just about words. He was about action. Jesus, Jesus wasn't just about sitting on a mountain and disseminating information to a group of half-interested followers. He was about real, live action. He was okay being exposed. He was okay being insulted. And, and he went to people's pain and healed them. And that's what we see in the book of Mark, is that sometimes, sometimes for us as Christians, especially where we sit in the U.S., we can get real comfortable learning about God and never put that into any kind of action, right? We can get real comfortable. I got this uh, thing here. So, a uh, little noise this morning. I like it. Um, so, we can get real comfortable um, learning about God, but that never translates into, God, I'm actually going to take a step of obedience. I'm going to actually live into my faith. Jesus talked to the Pharisees about that. He said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life abundantly. There's a call to action. If we just read these words and we don't live them out, we're not really following Jesus at the core. And so what I want, I don't, what I want us to be is a church that doesn't just know everything and, and doesn't do anything, but a church that, that knows the word and that's following Jesus, and that actually translates in how we live. This call to obedience, that Jesus wants followers that are willing to follow him even into difficult circumstances, difficult times. The world is kind of heading into a, a difficult season. And where is our faith in that? Where is our faith um, when things get tough? And, uh, you know, I was thinking this week as I was watching the news and just sort of just what we're seeing, the, the response from the Ukrainian army and the word that kept coming through was courage, right? Courage, courage, courage. And I was thinking, man, we, the church, need courage today. We need courage to act. We need courage to take steps. And what we see in Mark is that Jesus didn't mess around. He didn't dawdle. He didn't sit back. He didn't rest all the time. He actually got his hands dirty. And he moved with intensity and power and purpose into the world and changed the world through that. And that's what he called his disciples to as well. Jesus didn't hide behind an army. He didn't sit in a mountaintop and just spout information. Jesus was in it and with it 
uh, in the pain of the world and, and with people. And so what I believe, all that to say, I believe that in this season, God is calling us to be a, a action-oriented church, an action-oriented church, and that we shouldn't be satisfied following Jesus from a distance on our time, but that as God draws us closer to him, that we would be active with our faith, outspoken with our faith, um, outspoken with our praise of Jesus, that our lives would become more and more about him, that we wouldn't avoid God's call on our life, but we would allow God to confront every part of our lives. And so that's my hope as we journey through this book, that we would see it as a call to action, as a call to action. And so we're going to start this week where Brian left off uh, the second half of chapter one, where Jesus goes up to a group of fishermen and says, follow me. We're going to look at that. Jesus going up to a group of fishermen and saying, follow me. And those words, follow me, is the primary call of Jesus on your life. Follow me. So let's look at that. This is Mark 1, 16. And this morning I'm going to read from the ESV. It says this. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So we're going to stop there this morning. So just to catch us up on, on where Mark has taken us so far. So as Brian talked about last week, Jesus came on the scene. Uh, John the Baptist announced his coming, and he got baptized. He was declared as the Son of God in a really humble fashion. Um, Jesus wasn't a sinner, yet he got baptized. And after that, he goes through 40 days of fasting and fighting with Satan in the desert. So a really fun introduction to, uh, to ministry. <laughs> And then he shows up to this little seaside town, and he recruits a few fishermen. And I was really trying to think, man, like, what's Blaine's version of fishermen that we could, we could think of? I really was scratching my head, and I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe it's fishermen. <laughs> maybe if Jesus came to Blaine today, he'd skip past the churches, he'd skip past the schools, he'd skip past City Hall, he'd skip past... Semiamu, he'd skip past all these little pockets of influence and he'd straight, uh, go straight for the docks. And he'd talk to fishermen. And I don't know, are there any fishermen in here? I promise I'm not going to say anything offensive, okay, about fishermen. Um, but yeah, no, Jesus, Jesus passed all these different people of influence and headed straight for the docks, which if you were thinking about it, does that make sense? Like he's not looking for people who have the maybe the, 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 the most degrees or the most money or the most to offer, but he goes and he picks fishermen to be his disciples. And if you think in his day, think about who he was bypassing to go out to these fishermen on the dock. In his day, that means he was bypassing the, the best and brightest young Jewish scholars who may know the Bible really, really well who may be able to quote scripture and books of scripture at length. He went past all of those guys, all these, all these guys who were probably really well behaved 
and he went out to the docks. He bypassed people with influence. He bypassed business leaders, people who could raise some money. He passed them by. He passed by maybe some wealthy people, doctors, lawyers, and he went to the docks and he just found a group of hardworking guys to say, hey, come be my disciples. And like Brian talked about last week, there's a theme of humility that runs through the book of Mark. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus is like a humble Savior. He's the Son of God, yet he's humble. And we see in this situation that this theme of humility continues, that he's, he's a humble king, and he went to find some humble followers. And I was thinking about that because I've been involved in something that I don't really enjoy a whole lot called fundraising. Anybody been involved in fundraising before? Boo! <laughs> Boo! It's not bad. We just, you know, in the church we, you know, stewardship, right? Stewardship. It's good. But when I was in nonprofit, we'd do fundraisers and we try to connect with, you know, people with some money, people with some influence, people with connections who could help the cause. So that meant I would go to yacht clubs, <laughs> rotary clubs, network with people who had some money so that they could help us. In our cause, but I think Jesus was a pretty bad entrepreneur. <laughs> I think it would have been a bad nonprofit guy because he didn't do any of that. He didn't go to people with money. No, Jesus, he wasn't looking for investors. He just was looking for some followers. Jesus wasn't looking for people to invest and support him. He was actually looking for, for people that would choose to follow him and lay down everything. And so he, he didn't go to the uh, the investors of the day he grew his kingdom through another way he said the kingdom of god is here and then he went down to the docks and found some people who would actually follow him who would actually follow him with everything because apparently jesus valued humility over what someone could offer him right money connections those sorts of things and so with all that in mind this is my question for you today what if God wants to use people that don't think they're all that special? That don't think of themselves as super important? Because there's a huge temptation when you have money, when you have influence, when you have talent, or all three, to think that you're a pretty good catch, right? To think that, man, people would be lucky to have me around. God must be thrilled to have me on his team. Jesus wasn't interested in that. Jesus wasn't interested in that. And what we see here is consistent with how God relates to man throughout Scripture. In fact, in the Old Testament, it's a series of stories where God's always calling unlikely leaders, unlikely or reluctant people uh, to do amazing things. Like, think about Moses. Moses was a shepherd— and Jesus used him to save his people from the hands of Pharaoh, who was pretty powerful. And when God spoke to Moses at, at the burning bush, if you remember this story, Moses had an excuse after excuse why he couldn't. I'm not a good speaker. I can't go. I'm, I'm not a good speaker. Why choose me? So Moses thought he had no talent. Like, God can't use me. I don't have any talent. I can't, I can't speak. I'm not a good orator. Pharaoh's not going to listen to me, but guess what? He went anyways. And then Gideon, uh, fast forward to Gideon. 
God calls Gideon to rescue his people um, from an enemy tribe. And his excuse is, well, my family's pretty weak. They're actually, we're the weakest tribe in Israel. And so Gideon's thing was, I'm not influential and I don't have connections. So God, why, why would you use me? And then if you fast forward to Jeremiah, here God is calling a young, young man, Jeremiah, to be his voice to a, a nation that's run away from him. And he says, no, I'm too young. So like, I'm not prepared for this. God, I'm not ready. I'm just a young kid. Well, who, what ruler, what king is going to listen to me? And so you see, there's a thread throughout Scripture that God is always wanting to work with humble hearts. He doesn't want to work with people who think they have everything. God wants to work with humble hearts. I really love this verse in 1 Corinthians 8. It says, Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. I think this is so powerful. Jesus doesn't want people who think they know it all, right? Who think they know everything. As it says here, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. We come to Jesus as a learner. A disciple is a learner. Someone who's wanting to learn the ways and the thoughts of Jesus. And God can't teach us if we already know everything, right? And probably the most discouraging thing that I see today in the church is there's a lot of Christians, especially like sometimes on social media, that think they know a lot, right? And it's, there's so many issues today that we could touch. And just so I don't stir up a hornet's nest, I'm not going to touch every issue. But you go online and it seems like there's some Christians today that are so one-sided in their thinking. Like they, they can't, they only see one side of an argument and there's no space to talk. There's no space to talk. There's only judgment. And I think if we have that posture, we're not able to learn because God wants to teach us things. It's just an example. Um, but my question for us is, are we willing to have a humble posture that's ready to learn from Jesus? Are we willing to listen and learn? Are we willing to say, hey, I don't know what's best, um, but I trust you. I don't know what's best, but I trust you. We need to seek God and his love and have grace for each other. When we come into gray areas, we can't pretend to be authorities, right? We can't pretend to be authorities. We need to learn what God wants to teach us. And humility means having that open posture and listening posture. Paul says love builds up and knowledge puffs up. So let's pursue love of Jesus over simply knowledge. So let's get back to Jesus and the fishermen. It says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So what do we see here? We see... Guys working hard, casting nets into the sea, pulling out fish. I guess I just learned that the fish that they were catching was tilapia. So if you want to get really scientific about it, if you're wondering what kind of fish they were going after, it's tilapia. Um, and so anyways, uh, so Jesus comes up on these guys fishing and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's all he says. 
That's all it says that he gives us. He doesn't come with a big sales pitch or anything like that. He just says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That phrase, follow me, is literally a command form of the word come. Almost like you would, you would call your dog, come here, boy, come here. It's this Hebrew word, duta. It's kind of fun to say, duta. Um, so try that on your dog. Let's see what happens. Um, but it's, he doesn't just say come like we're a bunch of animals. He wasn't looking for that kind of obedience. He also includes a pretty important part at the end. And it's this word purpose. Jesus calls us to follow him, but then he also gives us purpose. He says, come here and I will make you fishers of men. You're fishers of fish, which is great. It feeds your family for a day. But I will make you fishers of men. I have a bigger purpose. You could look at this as an interruption. You know, you get into work life, family life. It's all about finding that rhythm, right? A rhythm that works for you and your family. And for these guys, it's like Jesus just showed up and interrupted all of it. Like, hey, leave those nets behind. Come follow me. Let me interrupt your life. And sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how Jesus fits in our life, and that's not the right posture, right? Jesus is telling us to come, and that might mean big changes in our life. That might mean big changes in, in the way we operate, in the, in, in, in the job we have, in, the, in, in what our family is involved in. God might call us to big changes, and, and that's uh, what he's talking about here. Come, and I will make you fishers of men. Let me interrupt your routine life. And replace it with a heavenly purpose, an eternal purpose. And so Jesus interrupts these guys' lives, and he replaces them with a brand new purpose. Now, I grew up in church, and I can tell you for me, growing up in church, I didn't really think about God in terms of purpose. I kind of thought about God in terms of not going to hell. <laughs> That's why I went to church when I was a kid. Like, I just... I, I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. I, I want to be on the right track with God. I didn't really think about the purpose part so much. And, um, you know, I was more about, like, I just, you know, I just want to be good with God. So I'm just going to try to do good things and, and, and try, to, try to do things that, that uh, not do the bad things, right? Like, not mess around with my girlfriend or, or look at, at pornography or uh, cuss or drink or, you know, I'm just going to be nice to people. And you know what I found in growing up in the church is that that orientation towards God gets old really, really, really fast. Because it's all about, well, I'm just going to try to keep God happy. Jesus is saying, no, come follow me. Learn from me. Like, follow me with everything. And so when I experienced a close relationship to God, all that stuff I was worried about became a lot easier because he became the focal point of my life. He became what I was about. He became, his will became my passion. And then that other stuff became a whole lot easier when I was surrendered to God completely. And for me, it took actually me leaving home to figure that out or for God to meet me. And so what if following Jesus, it's not just about covering our sins and, and going to heaven one day. What if he has a purpose for you right here and right now? 
And what if Jesus wants to interrupt your life and give you a better and more beautiful purpose that's actually life-giving to you, not drudgery? Jesus is not calling you to drudgery. He's calling you to a higher purpose. And I, I think today that we live, we, we, a, a, lot, a lot of us live in our country is sort of purpose-starved. Like, what is our purpose, right? Is it just about money and, and, and family and those things? Which family's good, but what if there's a higher purpose that God is calling us to? I think one of the things that, that's so inspiring about watching the news this week is the purpose that this Ukrainian country has found, right? They're fighting for their lives. There's courage there, and there's purpose. And, and I'll be honest, I don't know if we see that much purpose often today, right? People living with that much purpose. And I think that's one reason why it, it moved me and probably moved you as well. But we can wrap our lives in a lot of things that aren't satisfying and that don't give us much purpose beyond ourselves and our comfort. And if we're constantly seeking to just please ourselves, we'll discover that there's a never-ending well there that can't be filled up. There's a purpose well there that can't be filled up apart from following Jesus. Jesus came to call us to a greater purpose than making money so we can do whatever we want. Jesus came to call us to a greater purpose than just simply trying to make our family comfortable. Jesus came to call us to a greater purpose than just being a good people, just being good people who do nice things. Jesus came so that we could find our life in him and call others to find that same life, that he would, he would work through us to help others find the same life we have. And the purpose that God gave us is to go fish for people. Like, I don't know about you, but there's nothing that gets me more excited than to, to have a, a tiny part of seeing someone else's life change, right? Just to have a sliver of like, man, I made a difference here. God worked through me here. Like, that's exciting to me, right? And, and that's something that God does through us. That's not something that we create. Like, we don't come with our best human counsel to, to anybody and try to fix anything. No, but when God uses you, uh, it's pretty powerful to see people's lives change through him. I think one thing we miss is maybe God was calling these guys' lives out of frustration, right? When we run in the rat race, it's so frustrating sometimes. Has your life ever felt like a hamster wheel, right? You're just working for survival, working for the weekend, you know? You know, it's like fishing for fish. I fish for fish sometimes, and I know some people say it's relaxing. Uh, it's not relaxing to me, probably because I'm not very good at it. But when I'm out there, I'm thinking about all the fish I'm not catching. And like, I am wasting my day out here in the river. I've wasted a whole day and caught nothing. I catch things sometimes, but not, not often. But it's sort of like that. God doesn't want us running on this hamster wheel of frustration. You know, and that's, think about if the disciples had just stayed there. They're just fishing for fish, fishing for fish, routine. We would have never heard about these guys in history, right? I mean, they, 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 they'd just be, oh, yeah, and there were some guys who just fished every day, worked, came home, worked, came home, worked, came home, retired, and that was it, right? God wants to call us to a life of purpose. God doesn't want our lives to feel frustrating. He wants them to feel fulfilled. 
And so trust God that when he interrupts your life with something, that it's going to be more fulfilling than anything that you could create, right? And, and more fulfilling than, than even the American dream, right? And the, 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 the hamster wheel that can lead to frustration and stress. And so as we close today, I just want you to notice the response. How did these guys respond? Did they say, okay, hey, that's a good thought, Jesus. Um, can we think on it? We have a little powwow meeting. I'll make a pros and cons list. We'll get the whiteboard out. We'll kind of diagram this thing. Do they say, oh, that's cool. I, I don't know if I want to follow you all the way, but maybe a couple days a week? I'll, you can have this part over here. They didn't bargain with Jesus, did they? No, they, they didn't. It says immediately they followed him. Except, in fact, they dropped their nets. They could have sold those nets on Facebook Marketplace, you know, or somewhere. They didn't. They just dropped their nets and went. Jesus wasn't interested in a distant relationship. He wanted these guys close, right? He wasn't interested in bargaining. He was just like, hey, come follow me. I just want to make a mention, this word immediately it shows up a lot in this book. 41 times the word immediately shows up in the book of Mark. It only shows up 18 times in the rest of the New Testament. And I think it just shows us how fast God moved, how, how fast Jesus moved. And it told us, tells us here something about the attitude of the disciples, that they, their faith was immediate. They didn't have all the information. They didn't really even know Jesus, but they were drawn to Jesus. And if we had time to walk through the next few verses, we'd see that Jesus did some pretty amazing things right off the bat. Uh, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. He was casting out demons. He was preaching in the synagogues. They signed up, and they're like, oh, man, what did we sign up for? This guy's amazing, right? And I hope that's your experience with Jesus, too. He doesn't call you to a flat, routine life. He calls you to a life that's amazing. And so they left their nets, and they followed him. So that was the first two fishermen, but I also want to talk about the last two, because Jesus, it gets even more real with these last two guys. These last two guys, James and John, the cost for them seems a little higher. It says, and going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. It's one thing to cast down your nets. It's another thing to leave your dad in a boat to follow Jesus. I mean, think about this relationship. Their father probably taught them everything, right? They were in his trade, so he in Hebrew uh, kids that day, they'd, they'd learn a trade by age 12. So they, these were probably younger kids that, that only knew what their dad had taught them, and he had taught them everything they needed to do to have a good life. So he probably invested in them, and, and they were planning to take over the family business one day when, when dad retired. So their career path was set. So there was a cost to following Jesus right here that was tangible walking away from dad and i know you know not all of us have great relationships with our dads um i had a good relationship with my dad and i know 
because I had a good dad, one of the worst feelings in the world is disappointing your dad. It's not a good feeling. And uh, because you, I know, yeah, dad sacrificed for me and the family. Dad, you know, poured into me. And yet here Jesus comes and he seems to be asking them to leave their dad in order to follow him. And I thought about this this week, and, and here's how it makes sense to me. Only God could ask something like that. Only a worthy, loving Savior could ask that much of me. Only a Savior and worthy King could ask that much. And Jesus knows when he's asking James and John to do this, he knows that he'll die for them. He knows that he'll suffer for them. He knows what's best for them and for their father. Jesus is not a radical dictator trying to get us to do a bunch of, you know, really hard, arbitrary things. There's purpose in this. And Jesus sees it as for their good. Because Jesus is a personal savior who knew he would be dying for James and John. And he knew this mission that he was calling them to. And so, as I thought about this, this is our question I want us to wrestle with this week. And I know it looks different for all of us, but the question is this. Is Jesus worthy of your total obedience? Is he worthy? If Jesus isn't worthy, don't follow him, right? If Jesus isn't worthy of your whole life, don't follow him. But if he is if he is, then do it, right? If he is, then would you be willing to leave the future that you have cut out for yourself to find your life in him? Because that is what he's offering. And that's what these disciples got an immediate taste of, is this new life where people are healed, where relationships are restored. And Jesus still cares about the family because immediately after this, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Like, he's at work. And I was, I just, uh, I know I said it was closing, but here's another closing thought, okay? Sorry. I'm one of those pastors now who, like, closes for about 20 minutes. <laughs> Sorry. It's just part of getting, you know, used to this thing, I guess. Um, but I was thinking about this. When I was a kid, I used to play the game of life. Anybody else play the game of life? Right? And it's, the game of life is a lot of fun to play as a kid. Not as much fun to play as an adult. Did you realize that? She's like, oh man, I could be doing a lot better than I am now. Um, but when I was a kid, I'd play the game of life. And I was thinking about, man, what, what does the game of life teach us? It's all about money and family, right? I liked having so many kids in the game of life, you'd have to pack them on top of the van, you know, on top of other kids. You know, I wanted to hit every square with the kids section. Uh, you know, and of course you're supposed to make a ton of money in the game of life, you're supposed to have the best career. I was thinking, man, what does Jesus do to our game of life? Like, if that's what we've learned, how does he interrupt it? And so I just want to share this verse. Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus 
interrupts the game of life. If Jesus played the game of life, he would lose. And uh, I just want to say that I want to play Jesus's game more than our game of life. We think we find comfort in it. Jesus has a better, everlasting life for us. If you think about the end of the game of life, where do you end up? Shady acres, <laughs> right? Jesus wants us to live for more than a few years at Shady Acres, all right? He's got an eternal plan for us, right? Jesus' game of life is a lot longer term than our game of life. And so all I want you to do, all I want to do this morning is challenge you to take that next step of obedience. I talked about total obedience. That's a, that's a hard call. But think about this morning what your next step is. What is your next step of obedience? Is there something that God is speaking to you on your heart? It could be something that he's calling you to do, but you're afraid to do. Right? It could be sharing your faith with your neighbors. It could be just choosing to spend time with God in the mornings and, and praising him and making Jesus the focal point of your life. It could be surrendering something. It could be surrendering something. Maybe a, a sin you've been struggling with. Maybe God just wants to, you to give up that fight and surrender to him. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that God is calling all of us to step more into obedience with him and that his life is way better than any life that we could create. And so we're going to pray here in a minute. And I just want to say, if you need prayer this morning, uh, I'll be up here. Bonnie will be up here. Karma will be up here. Uh, we'd love to pray with you. Marcel will be up here. Um, we'd love to pray with you if you want prayer this morning. Um, if you're watching online, we want to know how we can pray for you. You can just uh, type something in on a message to us. We, we'd love to see that. But the question remains, is Jesus worthy of following all the way? If he is, just say, Jesus, you're worthy of following. And maybe we need to pray that Jesus would interrupt our life with his life this morning. Maybe we need to be interrupted. Maybe we're going full bore this way, and we need Jesus to show up and say, hey, come follow me, and we go this way. Wherever you're at, I just I want to pray for you this morning, and we're going to be available to pray as Brian and Dakota come up to lead us in worship. Jesus, we come before you this morning. Lord, we look at your life, and we look at our lives, and, and sometimes we, we feel this disconnect, like that could never be me, God. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would call us to something deeper this morning. I pray that you would call us more to yourself, that, that as we take steps of obedience towards you, that you would meet us, in your grace and love, like these disciples, they took a step into the unknown and their faith was immediately honored by seeing amazing things. They were inspired with awe. That word awe shows up. So Lord, I pray that as we learn to follow you more deeply, that you, we would experience more awe in our life, that it would not be a flat exchange, 
that it would not just be doing better or trying harder, but that we would find life in you. Because Jesus, you're not just speaking back then, you're speaking right here and now. And God, your love did not just exist back then, it exists here and now, and you want to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you want us to experience new life. And so, Lord, I pray that whatever that step is, whatever's holding us back, or whatever we need to step into, God, that you would help us to take that step. Because we know in that step of obedience, God, there will be freedom. There's freedom in obedience. God, there's freedom in choosing to align our lives with you and just saying yes. I'm so encouraged that these disciples didn't really know anything. All they knew was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus stood before them, and he asked them to follow, and they said yes. God, I pray that you would give us a similar heart that's willing to obey. God, that doesn't want to just buy time. God, that doesn't want to wait. But Lord, when you call us to something, help us to just say yes from our heart. Help us to find freedom in obedience, God. I pray this in Jesus' name.